I have a friend who refused to go on dating apps. He wasn't morally opposed to them or anything. He just wouldn't use them because he was convinced that all the great couples had an amazing story about how they met. He didn't want his to be swipe-based. So he went around the city actively looking for that moment. He tried to reverse engineer it. One time he saw someone in Whole Foods he wanted to talk to, but he couldn't just talk to her. If they got married, what kind of a story would that be? He noticed she only had like four items in her basket, and they were all totally random. So he did what any lunatic trying to create a first good story would do. He grabbed the same four items and walked up to her and pretended to be completely blown away that they both had the same four things. She laughed cautiously, then asked what type of dog he had. One of the items was a box of dog treats. He obviously didn't have a dog, and the whole thing unraveled pretty quickly. Today, we're going to talk about startup ideas, specifically the process you should go through to have an idea and to start testing it. I think lots of people think startup ideas are just going to pop into your head. You'll be walking along the street, and bam, Airbnb. They think it's something you can orchestrate, like my creepy friend who wouldn't go on dating apps. That some moment of inspiration matters at all, or will even happen, and that the idea you come up with will look or feel anything like the thing that you'll eventually build. This is the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox, and today we're going to talk about getting startup ideas and executing on them in the first few weeks. The original thinking for this episode was to take a theoretical idea. I had a few kind of joke ones. A different type of seasoning called Young Bay that would just be Old Bay but direct to consumer. A dog show called Eastminster, which would just be the Westminster dog show but for mixed breeds only, since all the tight asses at Westminster won't let my mutt ruby in. But I actually had an idea. A real one. Something I'm excited enough about to pursue in the margins. So we're going to talk about that one instead. Again, this is the Idea to Startup podcast, and today we're going to talk about going from idea to startup. Everything changed back in January. Every January, I make the trek upstate to Schenectady, New York, where I meet all my old teammates from my college basketball days at Union College. Alumni from the 1960s through recent grads all come, and we split everyone up and play a giant game. Then, we eat wings, we drink beer, and we watch the current team play. It's as much fun as it sounds. My old point guard is also now the head coach, so when you add all that up, it's definitely one of my favorite weekends of the year. This year, something really unusual happened. After the Union game, maybe 12 or so of us went to a brewery for dinner, a burger and beer place. The waitress went around taking orders, and person after person got the same thing. I'll do the impossible burger. You want fries or a salad with that? I'll do a salad. My mouth was literally dropping. I could not believe it. One of the cool things about our alumni group is it's a real mix. White collar, blue collar, people who live in New York City, people who live in Buffalo, all over the place. Of that group, a total mix of people the vast majority had just passed up meat. I asked one of them why. They responded, have you seen that documentary Game Changers? I hadn't. I was told it's about an MMA fighter who went plant-based and won a bunch of championships. He then consulted for pro athletes. I was told half the Tennessee Titans, the team that had just beaten the New England Patriots in the playoffs, were plant-based too. Another guy started listing off NBA players who were plant-based. Another one chirped up. I've been doing it for a month and my blood pressure has plummeted. With the new baby, it seemed like the right thing to do. Another one. The strongest man in the world is plant-based. I looked around. Two years ago, this place wouldn't have had any meat substitute. And if it had, this group would have probably made fun of it. Now, most of them were, what, vegan? I asked, so you guys are what, vegan now? No. 
Three of them fell over themselves to correct me. No, no, no. We're plant-based. There are two ways you need to think about startup ideas. First, there's the opportunity. Next, there's the opportunity as it relates to you. Peter Drucker says there are seven core types of, quote, innovation. If you don't know Peter Drucker, you need to know him. I'd start with the book, The Effective Executive. I'll pop that and some more Drucker goodness in the show notes. I've found the seven ways of innovating always overlap. I've also found it's incredibly helpful to lay them out when some sort of inspiration hits. I'll highlight the important ones and how you can apply them. He calls the first type of innovation unexpected occurrences. In my mind, I think of this as just the, quote, try stuff and good things will happen type of innovation. This might happen at work when you realize a product you roll out is horrible for the anticipated audience, but it actually solves a different problem for a different audience. You can't plan too well for this one, so I don't think about it much other than to always remember to be open to opportunities when something fails. Next is incongruities. This is a gold mine. There's a great book called Range that I highly recommend reading. Again, I'll toss it in the show notes. The basic premise is that the best entrepreneurs have the broadest experience. Range describes countless examples of someone taking a discipline from one industry and applying it to another. An example, Scrum might be table stakes in software development, but it's world-changing when applied to teachers thinking up a curriculum. They just don't do Scrum there. I always talk about startups as being a combination of unique knowledge and leverage. The important thing to remember is the knowledge doesn't have to be unique to everyone, it just needs to be unique to the place you're applying it. A great way to start a company is to do something really well in one industry and take it to another. The other way to think about incongruities is in terms of first principles. There are lots of industries where people are making decisions based on outdated assumptions. Electric cars weren't viable for years because batteries were way too expensive. Elon Musk referred to first principles. What's a battery actually made of? Can I get lithium cheaper and produce my own batteries? Turns out he could for a tiny fraction of the cost. This changed the dimensions of the market and gave him a massive lead. The next type of innovation is process. This is building out infrastructure to help improve a process, and it's honestly not all that relevant to most of you, so we'll skip it. I'll group the next two. Industry and market changes and demographic changes. These are the things incumbents often ignore or outright reject. A fundamental shift in either industries and markets or demographics will create this huge opportunity for you. An example. It's clear there's going to be a fundamental shift in the medical space. There's absolutely no chance humans are reading MRIs, x-rays, or any other type of complicated test in 10 years. None. That is machine learning's sweetest of sweet spots. Additionally, the demographics of the United States are shifting and will not look in 10 years like they look today. More people will be in cities, wealth will be shifted from young people to old via Social Security, etc. There is opportunity to build things that will support the realities in 10 years because most people are going to keep their heads in the sand. I'll breeze over the next one. It's labeled new knowledge. This is when you invent or leverage something truly new. New tech, a new business model, something that creates massive value but is rare enough, in my opinion, that it's not really worth talking about. If you're building a hoverboard, keep building your hoverboard. There are podcasts for Frontier Tech, and this is not one of them. The last and most important for today's podcast by far is the type of innovation labeled changes in perception. A change in perception doesn't alter facts, it just changes their meaning. Three really interesting things happened at that brewery in January. They were all around permission. First, the documentary portrayed athletes, the best athletes in the world, as getting better once they removed meat from their diet. They performed better and they were healthier, with the specific metric of blood pressure decreasing. 
The documentary made removing meat a performance-based and health-based decision, not a belief-based decision. We're athletes, and we want to be better athletes. Most of them are newish parents, and they want to be better parents for their kids. They want to be healthy. They can't have high blood pressure. Second, the documentary introduced the term plant-based. How is plant-based different from vegan? Practically speaking, it's not. The diets are almost identical. Societally, though, it's entirely different. Vegans been branded a way that these men didn't want to be lumped into. Plant-based? That's just strong people who want to perform better. As someone who looks at every startup through the lens of positioning and messaging, this is a total win. This is a massive market that's about to be unlocked by a damn change in lettering. Finally, the scales have tipped. There wasn't one person who ordered the Impossible Burger. There were seven. You weren't forced to, quote, take a stand or defend your decision, as you certainly would have been if you were the only one who'd ordered that. You couldn't be branded as the non-meat eater, just as people weren't branded as meat eaters because there were so many on both sides. This last one is what got me really excited. The groundwork for meatless or limited meat diets has been laid over the past decade. Anecdotes like this one make me think the dam is about to burst. And if that's the case, looking at Drucker's list of innovation opportunities, there are going to be opportunities to build at the infrastructure level for a seismic shift in behavior. There's one massive problem with Peter Drucker's list of innovation opportunities. They all assume you're well-equipped to capitalize on them. This obviously just isn't true. Founders have a really tough time figuring out what opportunities maximize their chance of success. I still believe the majority of startups are dead on arrival because the founder never had a shot. I've talked a lot about Venn diagrams the past 20 or whatever episodes, and it's not going to stop now. Because the opportunities Drucker listed out need to intersect with your unique skill sets, knowledge bases, and networks to create a real opportunity. The middle of that Venn diagram is where you want to play. If you haven't listened to our episodes on how to have startup ideas, I suggest to every founder I meet to first draw out a bunch of circles on a big piece of paper. The circles represent your unique skill sets, knowledge bases, and networks. The size of the circle is how unique and differentiated that specific skill set, knowledge base, or network is. So if you're an associate at an investment bank, your finance circle is relatively small. There are tons of those. But if you also spent four years as a merchant at Bonobos and you ran the supply chain for your parents' Thai restaurant, now you're getting some interesting experience if you look at the intersection of all those circles. The goal with startup ideas is to have a unique perspective on a problem. You'd love to be able to answer this question well. Have I been unconsciously preparing to start this startup my whole life? Do I have a different perspective on this problem than just about anyone else trying to solve it? As a side note, that's why I always tell young people who want to be entrepreneurs to bounce around like crazy. I met someone the other day who was a consultant. She'd also worked in banking in the past. She wanted to start something in the food space, but wanted to work for a while before going all in. She asked if she should take a job at a company like Google or to go get some more tech experience somewhere. My advice was either to go to a five-person startup in the food space or to go work at McDonald's for a year. Or go work at the line at a restaurant in the East Village that cranks through 500 diners an evening. Or go work at a farm. Everyone who's a consultant and wants to get into the food space is going to go work at Google or fill-in-the-blank company that's going to functionally teach you about the same thing as you learned as a consultant wherever else. Real experience is different experience. If you're the only one who's worked at McKinsey and worked at a farm, I'll tell you what, you're going to have a pretty different perspective on solving a problem. So back to my idea, or really my lack of idea. I was just inspired by my friends, but I'm not really sure what that means. I don't have an idea. I just saw that a bunch of Drucker's boxes have been checked. There's a clear shift, incongruities, market changes, demographics. There's potential. From my Venn diagram, I know I can build stuff. I've helped hundreds of startups in the early stages, and I can spin up a team quick. But I have no real experience in the food space. 
I've got to do some work there. And this, honestly, is what starting a startup should look like. You shouldn't start with a fully formed feature set or a fully baked product. You should start with a recognition of a higher level shift with customers, an understanding of your perspective and what you might be well positioned or not well positioned to build. Then your goal is to figure out how to fill those gaps and how to make everything real as quickly as possible. All babies are cute, and all startup ideas look great at first glance. But most startups fail, so most of those babies must have actually been pretty ugly. The key is to make it real as fast as possible, to remove the gap between decisions you make and the reality of those decisions, to get unbiased customer feedback instantly. Back to the brewery. The light bulb had flashed. I needed to make it real. So a few minutes into dinner, I asked, this plant-based thing, this is so interesting. How do you find food? Like, what did you eat last week? The answer I got was vague. It can definitely be tough. Lots of salads, lots of chickpeas, that sort of thing. That's not good enough for me. I needed to get more specific. Let's walk through last week. I might try this, so help me out. What did you eat on Monday? I pushed and I pushed. I asked what three of them ate, meal for meal, for the past 10 days. What I found out was fascinating. They all cooked big meals on Sunday, but by Wednesday that food was gone. They were all super busy and each of them were in dual income households, so no one had time to cook. Thursday and Friday sounded pretty bad. Salads or falafel or meals at restaurants that they'd already had five, six, seven times. I heard three answers that mirrored this one almost exactly. Quote, honestly, lunches and snacks are hard because I'm hungry so soon after a salad and the dinners are getting so repetitive. It's really, really hard to eat this way. But I feel amazing. My blood pressure has gone down and I've lost weight. So I'm going to at least try for a while. The key with these early customer interviews, and that's what these conversations are, is to learn. Never anchor anyone with what you're doing. Never leave them to anything. Just listen. Absorb it all. Take copious notes and start laying them out in a massive visual way. I like putting up post-its. One thought per post-it on a wall. Group the common thoughts. Different color post-its for different interviews until you run out of colors and space on your wall. The first thing you need to learn from these conversations is the complete, unbiased process for how people solve the problem now. When it occurs, how painful it is, and what are their first instincts to solve it. Look for pain points, look for emotions, and then start teasing out customer segments. Not demographics. I don't care if your customers are 25 or 45. Psychographics. How do they feel? Where are the commonalities there? You're looking for things that stand out. Most of the impossible meat eaters were new fathers. Particularly, they had daughters. They'd all watched Game Changers. They'd all been high-level athletes, and they all still saw themselves as high-level athletes. They joke about being washed up, but they work out six days a week. When I look at my Venn diagram for this idea, there are gaps all over the place in the actual food space. I don't know supply chain, I don't know production, I don't know delivery, I don't know restaurants. I know the customer and I know how to build stuff, but again, that only takes me so far. I don't even know if I can apply any of the knowledge I've learned from any of the other industries I've spent time in to this one. You're going to have gaps like this with your startup. It's going to be rare that you're going to have all the pieces to start. That's fine, but you can't ignore them. Entrepreneurs need to grab the elephant in the room by the trunk. So that's what I've decided to do with the next few episodes, to show you how to grab the elephant by the trunk, to show you what customer interviews for an interesting idea look like, and to show you how to do it all while you've got a job. We'll see where it goes. I've got two weeks to learn more about all the gaps in my knowledge before our next solo episode. I've got two weeks to run these customer interviews, to find out what I know and what I don't, and to report back. So a podcast that was supposed to be about a fake dog show is ending up with me scheduling customer interview calls with farmers in my spare time, such as life. Hopefully, this will be more helpful to all of you than the theoretical stuff. 
If you have interesting perspective on this problem I'm solving, please reach out at Brian at GetTackleBox.com. I need interviews. And if you're interested in testing out your idea with us, apply at GetTackleBox.com. Thank you. Have a great week. 